0: Welcome to the Lou Perez Podcast. My name is Lou Perez and it is alternate side parking day in Brooklyn. So I am recording this intro from the interior of my car. I'm going to be in here for another 40 minutes or so to make sure I keep this spot. Hopefully you guys will stick it out with me. Um, This episode I did not record in my car, although it would have been uh, apropos. Uh, On the episode I have the wonderful Nancy Rommelman. She's the author of the book, To the Bridge, a story of motherhood and murder, and she's been covering the protest in Portland for Reason Magazine. On this episode, we talk about Portland, the Proud Boys, Antifa, and how Antifa uses diarrhea bombs during their civil unrest. Uh, It's a really great episode, and uh, it is brought to you by the one and only Locals.com, where you can support me directly theluperez.locals.com. Get on over there into the community. You will never, ever be put into Facebook jail over there because it's not Facebook and you won't have your account suspended because it's not Twitter. It's locals, Locals locals.com. welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast and I'm very happy to have my next guest uh, Nancy Rommelman uh, you may recognize her writing um, from the LA Times and also reason magazine uh, so Nancy thank you for th- thank you for for being here and um, lately a lot of the stuff you've been writing for reason has to do with Portland in particular
1: yeah
0: uh, I don't know what the word is is it is it unrest is it riots what, what protests
1: you can't make everyone happy, Lou. Um, you know it started um, as protests or protesters because that's you know what it started as. Even though I think from the very very beginning, um, from the first night actually of uh, of the marches, there were the you know the kind of hooliganism and and more violent element. But it's it's hard. Like if you call them protesters, then you have people saying you know they're rioting. But if you call them rioting rioters, then it's like well you know there are people protesting. So I I've kind of I'm kind of sticking with demonstrators, but that still gets me in trouble. So um, you know you can use your own eyeballs and decide uh, what you think is happening, which people are going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So you know no matter what you call them.
0: Yeah, and what um, what inspired you to head on over there? Because if I if I see whether it's a protest or Demonstration or whatever. I don't like groups of people, um, so there's there's something where I, th- the idea of putting myself within a group of people is just a little scary, right? Right to begin with, but but that's what you've been doing.
1: Well, um, it it happened. Well, first of all, um, for your your viewers, I did live in Portland from 2004 to 2019, but moved back here to New York City, where I'm from, uh, last year. So, what you know, there was all this stuff happening, and and you couldn't really get a bead on what was happening if you were following sort of, you know, the usual suspects for your news coverage. You were getting, you know, savages coming to your town on one side, and then you were getting peaceful protesters on the other. So, I was actually having dinner with... uh, with Jake Siegel, who writes for who's at Tablet, and Matt Welch, who's at Reason. And Jake turned to me, and he's like, Nancy, what the fuck is going on in Portland? I was like, yeah, what are you doing here? And the next uh, morning, I, I texted um, Catherine Manga ward editor editor-in-chief of Reason, said I want to go to Portland. She's like, go. And I've made three trips so far, and I'm going back on the 26th. And the stories are right there on the ground. In terms of uh, getting in the middle of things, I actually don't like um, – being in the middle of a crowd either and I try to stay on the periphery or like by a tree or a lamppost but of course sometimes you got to get in there and and get in people's faces with a mask and um have I been roughed up you know a little bit I had my phone stolen I've been you know people sort of they try to intimidate you verbally but I haven't really been um I haven't been hit or anything like that yet so
0: yeah. I have a, I have a friend of mine who sent me two screenshots. Uh, one of them was from uh, the front page of, of, I think, Fox, Fox News. And then the other one was yep. CNN. And yep. what he pointed out, he said, it's like, none of the stories are the same. They're, they're covering completely different things. And it's almost like they're happening on two different planets. And I kind of find and and I find with like, I'm a comedian, I'm not a journalist. And I rely on people like yourself to tell me what, you know, what's going on. And it's so crucial to have people who are going to give you a nuanced story. I feel. I feel.
1: Well, thank you. I have to give really um, all credit, so much credit to Reason for uh, obviously having zero interest in giving you know one biased uh, side or the other. Um, I've said this before. I've been asked, like, how do you, you know, how do you tell these stories with nuance? It's like, it's really hard. You know what I do, Lou? I show up with two eyeballs and a pad. Mm -hmm. And if you go there and you're interested in hearing from all sides of this story, because all sides feel they have some sort of valid position here, then you're able to tell the story. It's really not that hard, Um, though you do get, you know, you'll get crap from, um, you'll get crap from every side. Uh, because you're not confirming what it is they want to believe. Well, I'm sorry. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job is to tell you what I see going on. Um, Hopefully, I'll get it right most of the time or give you enough facets to the story that you can, you know, it's gratifying when people say, oh, I read what you wrote, and I kind of, it kind of just seemed like true. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm doing my best here, you know? So, um, and I think that we have a very, I mean, I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know. I mean, we have a very polarized environment and we've got a, you know, we've got people clashing and they want their side to be right. And um, they're just going to cherry pick the information that they can get to prove it.
0: Yeah. And so, so what's been, for, for one, what's been happening in Portland um, and in particular, uh, why is it, What what is different about it now compared to like four years ago? Because it seems like as an outsider in New York, it seems like Oh, Portland, like there's just always been riots there for the past four years. Like ever since Trump was elected, um, yeah. it's been happening.
1: Well, Portland is a marching city there. You know, they've they've got a long history of being, uh, you know, of being pretty liberal and, and progressive. Though, of course, you have, you know, it's got a a, a way a, a further back history of being a pretty, um, I guess, kind of racial. I mean, I'm sorry, racist. Um state it was founded sort of as a whites only state that was a long time ago but you know those those things um resonate with people when you're talking about portland they're like well yeah it's been liberal but look at the past and it's like yeah so it's it's kind of a complicated mix um yes when trump was elected uh portlanders were shocked and hurt and um, they took to the streets um peacefully um you know there were there were literally there were so many marches that the uh one of the local alt weeklies started like a marching weekly like you have your movies and like here are your marches and this is where you can go to show up and demonstrate and i mean i think that's fine i don't know how much of a, of an impact it had on on the um political machinations but great um but you know uh we live under trump where um you know it's it's a it's a it's a system that likes chaos and kind of sows chaos and um temperatures were extremely high. And I've, you know, people can go to reason and kind of, I've I've written this before, you know, you had, um, you already had this kind of polarized environment where people were ready to be angry, right? And then you had COVID hit, and the city closed down, just like most cities did. And you had a lot of people locked up, including a lot of young people. Portland's a young town, out of school, out of work, jobs closed. Um, And then George Floyd was killed. And it was, you know, people really, they really reacted in a big way. And, and I was not there at the time, by the way. I think the first March, um, George Floyd, I believe, was killed on, on May 25th. The first um, March was the 27th. And um, I don't know if it's the one on the 27th or the 28th, but 10,000 people showed up. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, in Portland, Oregon, to be marching. But what happened on the 27th, so you had most people, you know, very angry, very pro-Black Lives Matter, very, really, really pissed and wanting change and wanting to express that. But what also happened is you had the, you know, you had a hundred—I don't know how many people—broke into the police station, which is called Justice Center, and um, broke all the windows and set a fire and threw st- stuff around. And I wrote a piece for Reason about a woman that works at Justice Center with the police checking people in, and she was downstairs, and you know she's upstairs, and there's a fire above her, and she was basically trapped. So you know that's also what's happening you have this mass of people that want change and they maybe want to try to express themselves and then you always as these things always will lou you will have the more kind of violent element that is just wanting to tear shit up now they'll tell you this is the way to change i actually had a really interesting um um, coffee last night with a gal who's like listen and, and you hear this all the time Things don't change without violence. I have quoted people telling me, it's like, we've tried to do things peacefully. Now we're going to do things violently and we will get the change we want. Well, I might push back against that. We are going into night 129 or something tonight in Portland. And except for the wildfires, there has been violence just about every night. How much closer are we in Portland or nationally to, to... Preventing police brutality, which there is in Portland, which there mm-hmm. is in most in most. Now I'm not. Now I'm not saying that some of the more violent element in Portland aren't instigating it. They are, and, and they know that. But that's what they want. You know, they want the confrontation. But if you are against police brutality, I would challenge the um, the demonstrators to tell me how much closer they think they are, and actually give me some metrics. Yeah, especially I haven't seen I haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, especially. Where you're using these uh, demonstrations or violence in one particular city within actually like a particular block range and then somehow thinking that that is going to have um, an effect about policing in the whole country, you know, rather than just like even in its uh, in its local spot. It seems like, wow, you're really putting a lot of um, uh, you're putting a lot of eggs into into one basket um, on that front, I think.
1: Well, you know, so there was that kind of two block radius, which is when, um, you know, the feds had been sent in the first time by Trump. And so the Justice Center is is here. It's a big, big building uh, where the you know, the cop shop basically in downtown Portland and next door, just separated by one street, is the federal building. And that's where they, you know, demonstrated their wrath. And you can go on onto Reason and see some video stuff I shot of it. Um, and that was kind of a two block radius, a little bigger, obviously. Um, and a lot of, there'd been a lot of, you know, looting and at the beginning and things were closed down. It was really kind of crappy. Um, well, they really aren't just in that two block radius anymore. They, though they are hitting the same sorts of targets, they kind of rove around. So what happens is certain, you know, groups meet, um, in a park, uh, and in, in the evening, and they will march to the designated place that 's going to get destroyed tonight, and it 's either justice center or it is the police union or it is a police station or it is ice headquarters and Then they stage their um, their, um, their wrath they express their wrath by breaking windows and setting fires, and the cops after an hour or two or three or whatever it is come out and declare a riot and shoot tear gas and shoot rubber bullets, and um, it's for the optics. I mean, it's, I, I understand that they believe, uh, that they believe that they're doing it for change, um, but it's also for the optics. And I just wanna jump back a little bit to what I was saying about when the, you know, the city was, was closed down. I mean, you've got a lot of young people now that are still out of school. The colleges have not uh, reopened, as far as I know, it's online. And there is some real momentum here in Portland. And I've talked about this. And there's just, there's really no reason for them to stop if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if they feel that they're part of a movement that is going to do good for the city and for the country. And Portland, Oregon, until about 10 or 15 years ago when it sort of landed on the, the national you know consciousness, I mean, literally 15 years ago, people would be like, Oregon, where's Oregon? I mean, I kind of was one of those people from, you know, like, when my husband wanted to move there, I was like, wait, what? Huh. But um, anyway, Portland has not really been a, a leader in a lot of things except, you know, sort of
0: Foodie cool culinary stuff.
1: culture start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And really, because they, they've got this great, incredible bread basket. I mean, everything grows in Portland, literally. Like you spit out a pumpkin seed and the next fall, you have like this entire field. And it really, they really do have some amazing, amazing products. So Portland was kind of known for that. But it, besides that... Portland really hasn't been a leader let's say, mm-hmm. but right now it is a um it it kind of in some ways is even usurping you know Seattle as like look at this you know progressive movement movement that is hell bent on burning down the city and I think that and including we're 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 two weeks away from possibly um electing our first ever pro antifa mayor uh it's it's you know it's looking pretty good for her though I've got some I have some feelings that there are a lot of silent people that are like I know nah, 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 yeah know yeah. I can't I want to want to talk
0: about that but you know going back to um, yep. the targets of destruction and, and fire yeah do they uh, it, yep do they just keep kind of rotating and burning down the same shit? yep br- really
1: yep and and then think about it, Lou, let's say you are, for instance, uh, there's a, there's a police station near where I used to live in, uh, in Northeast Portland and right next door was a beauty supply store, like a big place you buy hair rollers and makeup and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Well, I, I mean, they, it could be the case that they were going to go out of business anyway, but they were right next door that, that is closed up now. And then there was also a boys and girls club right next door to the, to the police station run by, I think, partly by the Portland Trailblazers, my beloved Portland Trailblazers. Hmm. Um, and that's closed down. I mean, if you have, if every four or five nights, there are, you know, there are people, you know, setting fires and breaking windows. And I'm so sorry, throwing like buckets of diarrhea. It's just so disgusting. Um, you, how do you run a business? I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a Thai restaurant that was down the street, a block away from the federal building. And I was interviewing someone one morning. He was actually an anti- um Graffiti guy, a really interesting guy, and he's like, "This poor restaurant. I mean, they just—you've the, already have COVID. You already have to be closed. Then you can open at like ten percent, but every single night there's graffiti in your building, and you got to pay to clean that yeah. every week. With like, so, how do you stay open?
0: Yeah, with the um, the diarrhea thing, right? Like,
1: yeah,
0: were you able to? I f- know. What, did you find out anything more about that? Like, whose well, diarrhea? Well, I did it is? Like- actually. Because it's it's a great it's a great food town, so I could imagine that that when it comes to diarrhea, that might be you know the artisanal um, you know sort of level.
1: That's right. Um, Just one little bit of bad pork, and we will have tomorrow night's <laughs> weapon. No, uh, what it was, because I actually spoke to. I was walking on the back of the cop shop there, the justice center. And there was like this poor lone cop in there with like a big industrial fan. And he's sitting there with the doors open. And I was like, oh, I wrote about this. I was like, oh, what's happening? He's like, yeah, they came in last night and threw buckets of diarrhea. And then, you know, of course some of the, the young black blockers came by and they're just like, yeah, well, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So, um, I wrote about this and someone said to me, like, I literally was like, are these people shitting in a bucket? Like, is that what they're doing? Because they are young people, and maybe I don't know. Maybe that's like a tactic. But someone told me, no, Nancy. They just go around to the Portisans, to the port-a-johns and oh. empty what's in the. So it's all just disgusting, and you know, you one know, big slop.
0: You know, I, I don't know. Kind of clever,
1: right? Yeah. Look, right, Lou. Kind of clever. <laughs> I, I don't
0: know. I don't know if the disgusting. hierarchy. The hierarchy of of Antifa or anything like that. But man, in a. a, a in a a society that they want that you know practices you know full equality and all that, whoever's drawing the short straw and having to you know empty the shit box uh, into a bucket, like that's uh, I, I don't know if the revolu- if any revolution is worth that as far as I'm concerned. Well,
1: you know, I went on a Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse podcast, which was such a a blast. It was a really interesting conversation, and I think he mentioned I think it was there that he mentioned that this is this is something that is done you know, it's, it's a tactic. I mean, you know, you think you're the first person to stage a revolution, right? Oh man, we'll set a fire. It's like, yeah, guys, like, you know, there's just, there are only, it just is so the tactics, at least what I'm seeing, I am willing to believe, I would would love to know, everybody, call me, call me, um, that there are like these super, super secret, stealthy, effective things that are being done to, you know, overthrow or defund the police and overthrow the current uh, government in Portland or wherever. I mean, it's possible, but mostly that's not what you're seeing. You're mm-hmm. seeing the sort of pedestrian hooliganism, but here's, here's where I, I start to, now, you, you know this, Lou. Um, there's the big argument about what qualifies as peaceful protest, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all, you know, we're all uh, believers in, in the First Amendment and we want, you know, freedom of speech. And that becomes very elastic, right? It's like, well, what is freedom of speech? Is it still freedom of speech if I accost you? Is it freedom of speech if I rip your sign out of your hand? And, and you know, it's it's going to be a little bit elastic and I'm okay with that. Here's what I, I I have a problem with and I've been told I'm wrong and I'd love your opinion on this. So, I was marching with them one night, uh, the group, the like Antifa black Bloc. you know, they call themselves uh pro BLM, but, and they're definitely sloganeering with, with, with BLM slogans. And I believe some people might believe that that's what they're there for, but I think they're there right now to overthrow the police. That's their main objective. And, and BLM gives them a little bit of cover or, you know, maybe the, the movements have become homogenized in any case. Um, they march through the streets of Portland at 11 o'clock at night and they shine lights in your window, like you with your baby. And they shout, get up, get up, get up, motherfucker, get up. And I asked someone whether they actually believed they, or if they expected, you know, Lou with his baby, who's not sleeping, to get up and start marching with them. And that was the wrong question. And it was naive on my part. Um, what, what she told me was, um, you know what? I could be sleeping in my comfortable house, but I'm not. I'm here fighting for change and you're not. And we want you to be uncomfortable in your comfortable lives. Well, okay. Um, I, I, I find this aggressive. I find this to be moving into an area which is, it may still be free speech, but you now are putting yourself in a position to have and maybe not an okay controver- uh, uh, confrontation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I last year, when I still lived in Portland, I had my ex in my house. he was dying of cancer, and I would not have been very happy had these people been shining a, win- a light in his window every night. Now, I am not a gun owner, uh, and I you know, it wouldn't have occurred to me to stand on my porch with a gun, but I can, ex- I can anticipate that someone will
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's. Um, uh, I remember. Uh, I think. I think our, our son was around ten weeks old, and there were marches in our neighborhood in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Heights, where um, uh, right near where Saint I grew a- up. Yeah, right, right near uh, Saint Anne's actually. And yep. um, we have like a part time doorman who's he's probably like in his sixties, and I had told him I'd given my phone number and said, look, if you ever need any help, you know, I'm I'm right upstairs, and and I'll, yeah. I'll come down to help. Um, and there was a part of the March, I guess was kind of going down our block and you heard them. So I went downstairs to, you know, offer help if needed to the doorman. Um, and my wife, uh, was up, uh, we have a second, second floor apartment and they were walking by. Thankfully they were all peaceful, but they were yelling. hmm and one of the guys who was walking by looked up and saw that my wife was looking out the window. And he said something like, sorry, we're trying to change the world. And my wife said, well, yeah, and I have a 10-week-old and I'm trying to, you know, uh, to be a – you know Change,
1: her, change his diaper. <laughs> it, it, it,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, when you take something like violence and how elastic that definition has become, right – Um, I think that that really sets a dangerous precedent for what you think, um, whether you're a revolutionary or just a regular person, what you think is appropriate behavior and how to respond to that uh, behavior. Because there was – like I said, they were were peaceful. They just kind of like walked by. They said some stuff. Fine. Mm -hmm. But – as we know, that could easily turn into anything that could easily turn into someone throwing a brick up into the, uh, the window. It could, uh, throwing something at the, uh, at me or the, or the, or the doorman who are, uh, who are just there. And, and that's the danger of it where I'm like, I don't know what the rules are. And it seems like, uh, people will find any way to justify any, uh, uh any violent, uh, response by saying, Oh, well, it's not actually violence or, uh, it's not the level of violence that you know you in your uh you know uh, with your property ownership uh, has you and know,
1: your doorman yeah I mean, exactly wait, oh, come on. yeah <laughs> you're just setting yourself up here you know <laughs> uh yeah I, you know that's really interesting because it, the the definition of the definition of free speech the definition of violence the definition of uh whether I feel safe or not really I mean maybe maybe we're just noticing it more because we're in this very uh you know you know stretched environment um where everybody's like ready to pounce but you know things really have changed and 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 you know we had um something happen in portland i'd actually i have i should i should um add that i haven't been back in portland in gosh like 3 weeks i'm going back uh next week so i'm a little behind the times of what of what's happening the last time i was there the wildfires were going on it's the only time there was a cessation to the demonstrations cuz it was oh it was oh, yeah. it was bad the air was like really disgustingly yellow and everything anyway um there was uh uh aaron danielson who is a patriot prayer member patriot prayer is a conservative group from uh, vancouver washington head, headed by joey gibson um they came down uh they they became part of a like pro-trump pickup truck rally uh so by my probably not very attric act well Accurate count. Um, If we're going into about one night, night 130 of the protests, um, sort of right wing or conservative groups have come through town en masse four times. Each time it has been a conflagration of people getting crazy that they wanted to come through town from, you know, the governor declaring a state of emergency and the city denying them a permit. But in any case, this one day uh, they did come through with pickup trucks. And, you know, flying Trump flags. I was not there for this. Um, They can't open carry. They're carrying guns, which, of course, is definitely not Portlandia kind of material. I mean, these guys, they look like the opposite of the characters you see on Portlandia, Mm -hmm. right? You know, they're kind of brawny and they're flying flags and they're carrying guns. And this is, you know, people become intimidated by this because this is not what our city looks like. So they're shooting off paint guns or whatever it's called at the protesters and the protesters are shooting them with you know super soakers full of urine and throwing their own fireworks anyway after that ends and the they're gone a guy named Aaron Danielson is walking through downtown and this guy Michael Reinhold and he's a patriot prayer guy and Michael Reinhold who identifies as very pro-antifa pro-BLM though I have written about this and I believe he was just a guy looking to land on a movement shoots Aaron Danielson point blank in the in the chest and Aaron Daniels dies. Now, this is called murder, right? Yeah. And it happened in the streets. Um, I watched a video, uh, I, I, I'm actually, i actually, every time I talk about this, I get emotional because I watched a video that night um, of some uh, <clears throat> apparently black blocked BLM supporters. I think they were just black blocked. I don't know what they support. What I can tell you they support is standing in the street cheering that that Danielson had been murdered cheering i don't care one less you know whatever piece of shit white supremacist which he wasn't mm-hmm. um and i thought well if that's your movement if that's your feeling you create you have your own poison pill and you're, as far as i'm concerned your movement is illegitimate you cannot cheer the murder in the street anyway a long way of saying um, that really didn't get that much attention because he was considered to be on the wrong side, right? Yeah, No one's cheering his name in the streets and, and saying, we are going to stand up here. And I mean, some are. Uh, uh, Patriot Prayer, maybe Proud Boys, I'm not really sure, came in and, and it was like, they, his name goes by Jay. That was what he was called, Aaron Danielson, you know, remembering Jay. We're going to do this for Jay. But violence now is not okay when it's, first of all, violence should be okay against no one, no one, not the feds, not me, not you, not your wife, not your baby, not anybody. But when the media looks at the killing of this guy who I didn't know, and this like, well, kind of just sweeps it away because he's the wrong, he's on the wrong side. That really presents a problem for me.
0: Yeah, you know, there, there's something, you know, with the violence too, and just the, um, the elements that, that I've seen in the, uh, um, you know, the demonstrations, the um, the uh, for one, everyone in black, the people with the umbrellas, um, as you talked about, people throwing diarrhea and all that. Um, there's it's almost like to some people, there's this game, uh, being played that, that I think the seriousness of violence is not, uh, is not being respected. Where, uh, you know, you mentioned like Patriot Prayer, you mentioned the Proud Boys, um, I'm not the type of guy who's going to fly over to Portland to go march beca- for my you know, First Amendment rights because uh, I understand that part of that is also what I would – I want to choose my words uh, wisely. Part of that is also, is also a game where it's like we're going to go over there and you know what? There's a good chance we might, you know, we might be put in a position where we can kick some ass. Um, right. And we yeah. could do it. We could have a street fight and all that. And that and I'm not right. about that. Um, but it's almost like the the people, you know, cheering like this guy's this guy's death. It's like, well, wait a minute. Do you do you accept those rules of engagement then that if it then gets turned down, turned around on you and people that are your comrades start getting picked off by, you know, trigger happy people? Will you say like, hey, that's war? Or will you say, you know, no, that is not justified?
1: So I'm just going to use, because I've read uh, way more about um, Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. about her, about her, because um, um, they've done uh, so much good reporting with Rupmini over at the Times has. Um, it was so disgusting on so many levels, her, her murder, right? And people spent the time and energy, and political will, and legal push, and everything, I mean, it's becoming a different kind of animal at this point with, uh, I think, uh, some of the people that are getting involved in um, the legal suit. Anyway, I'm, I'm being inarticulate here, but I think that deserves, every death deserves that sort of treatment, when it's, every murder does. You know, if we're going to talk about someone being murdered unfairly, by the police, I think we absolutely should because we do need police reform in this country. I mean, we do. I'm not a scholar on it, but you know, you read certain things and like, like, nah, dude, that I know, not good. Like, and I've talked to cops about this too. I was actually talking to the the head of DHS in Portland about this. He's like, I really wish we could have a serious conversation about police reform as opposed to everybody just setting their hair on fire. Okay, but you can't say that one person's murder deserves. All of our tears and all of our sympathy, and this guy is nothing he's a piece of shit or because we say he is i just't I just don't understand how any human being can act this way I just don't get it yeah. I, I don't get it and I, and, and, it, and it does strike me as about like retribution and that i don't anyway yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll call it as I see it, and it's not popular like I, I've written a little bit about. That and and people may know Michael Reinhold was then killed by the police in what kind of looks to be an ambush. Do we see where we're going here, guys? Like, no one is playing it very well here. No yeah. one is playing it very well.
0: Yeah, and, and I think so much of this stuff, I, I, I just think of how much of my bandwidth is taken up by um, you know looking at the stuff in Portland, and and I, I made a couple of um, sketches for. Uh, for We the Internet TV where I played uh, a member of Antifa, you know, a black clad guy from the social block. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, a, you know, it was a character and it was my my way of, of making fun of what I think of as as a silly group of people that apparently uh, I haven't seen anybody in sort of mainstream uh, comedy making fun of. So that was good. That gave me an in like, oh, here's my uh, uh, here's my interpretation of it. Um uh, why did i bring that up sorry my mind just went that's okay uh, my, my you have, mind just you have, went a, you have a
1: baby you're allowed to completely lose your thought your train no, of thought no sleep i have a
0: baby with, with yeah, no yeah. With, with no sleep um, ah. well,
1: in terms of antifa being unserious people this is like a very you know it's very hard like when you try to describe antifa you never can get it right and that's sort of that's sort of the way it's set up you know yeah, yeah the way they but, want it right 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 and it, it you know it's 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 it, it is definitely not what Trump said. It's not a national organization, but it's not what Biden said. It's it's definitely more than an idea. I mean, we have a um, pro-Antifa candidate, uh, Sarah Iannarone, or Iannarone, who may win in two weeks. She basically, whatever the Antifa platform is, and actually there is, there's a Big Ten sort of um, uh, things that they want enacted, I've got it. I can send it to you, or if you—I don't know if you post uh, links along with the uh, with the with the podcasts. Um, and you know, the main one is defunding the police, and um, you know, creating equality and all now, this stuff. When
0: they when they say defunding the police, do they mean just mm-hmm. um, taking away resources but still maintaining a police a police force, or do they I, mean I, getting rid of it?
1: I would. I I would. Okay, I, I'm going to answer. Uh, as I know it, I don't know. Um, I've heard both. I've, they definitely want it defunded and the, the the Portland Police Department was defunded to a certain extent, but they kind of moved things around and then they didn't like that enough. I think that they would be happy because they consider it to be built on um, uh, systemic racism and, you know, the terrible stuff that, 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 you know, what the state of Oregon is built on. They just think it can't, it has to sort of be burnt to the ground, you know, literally and metaphorically in order to start again with some fairness. And they also believe, and, and in some ways, they have a point about certain things that the police shouldn't be doing certain jobs uh, and that maybe, you know, different kinds of social services or community organizations could do things better. And I'm totally open to that idea, um, but I think that they just want them gone. And I think that they, whether they've, they've thought this through or not, um, that uh, things will be better if the police are gone. I tend to see them um, over accusing the police, like every little thing that happens bad, it's the police's fault. I just I, I don't I don't buy that. Um, I also think we do need some kind of um, police force. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm open to the conversation. If it's an honest conversation, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Are you having an honest conversation here about how to rejigger the police force and make it better for all of the people in Portland, or are you just sort of are you here basically to destroy it, but you're pretending you're not? That that's that I don't know. That yeah, I know.
0: and 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 wasn't there um, a wasn't the police chief or sheriff uh, a a black woman? Was that a
1: yes, yes? I uh, uh, I think the. Sh- sheriff's department yeah the the police chief in portland is black uh and he's you know we also have some just real problems going on with the mayor ted wheeler and the city council and and what's interesting is um i went and um covered uh something for a reason magazine a year and a half ago when uh the city council voted to outlaw or ban hate groups within the city
0: i remember and, seeing that yeah i remember seeing that
1: yeah. And it was really an interesting meeting because you had um, you had the four the city council is four members and then the mayor and they vote on things. And um, they unanimously voted to ban hate groups, but they wouldn't define what a hate group was, which I was kind of like, isn't that a little bit of a problem? Because like when you're then voted out and maybe someone with a different ideology or a political platform than you says, well, we've got this blanket coverage now. Like, I really think that Nancy Rommelman is a hate group, and so she's out. Um, but now, uh, you know, we've seen this in my – so, to, for my money, the city council, including its m- sort of most radical new member, uh, Joanne Hardesty, very, very, very anti-police, very, very stringently, even anti-the mayor, who was really trying to kowtow to the more progressive elements, whether he really believes it or not. I can't say. I think he does. I think he's a true believer. Um, Well, he's become sort of public enemy number one in Portland. They call him tear gas Ted. They staged multiple um, sit-ins or whatever you want to call it, protests outside of his his condo to the point where he decided to move out. Right. because, you know, cause that's what you do. I'm like, wait, what? Oh man, I was already gone. But the, the meeting I wanted to go to, they were going to have a public meeting, uh, where all of like the residents of his building, the condo association oh could God. sit and talk about like how they felt about the fact that their lobby and everything was being set on fire. But I, I, I was already back in New York, but even Joanne Hardesty who called for, see the mayor is also the, uh, he's the head of the police or the, I can't remember what it's called. She called for his public ouster. Like she went on Twitter and publicly and like, he's got to get out because he's too soft and he's not supporting the protesters and, you know, tear gassed head and all this. Even now she's like, guys, guys, we got to chill out here. We got to have some peace here. Like that she is doing this is, is, is really surprising because she's been super pro pro protesters, but it's like, it gets out of hand, guys. Like, you get it, let it get a little out of hand. It's like, ooh, that power is tasty. I'm yeah. going to take a little more. I'm going to take a little more. Now, the one secret weapon that some people, a lot of people in Portland are hoping or it's going to stop this is Mother Nature. It's like, all right.
0: It's going to get cold. Bring
1: on, the, bring on those rains, baby. Bring on that cold weather. But I got to tell you, the last time I was there, when I went out on a march with these folks, it was Mm, low 50s and raining and out they were so Mm. i don't know i don't know power's tasty
0: yeah and and it's one of those things where it's like uh you know let's see i I could imagine you know being you know being a part of that that mayhem and sort of going out the next night and seeing like well look we were allowed to do this what can we get away with what can we get away with this time because it doesn't it doesn't end
1: Well, I'm sure you've, you've seen some coverage of this, but I've, I've, I've talked extensively about, you know, how this coverage is done. You know, it's shot by the people that are, you know, the press, people that are, you know, young people with GoPros and, and and iPhones, and they shoot it and they aggregate it and they put it online, but they don't let anyone else film, like they steal your phone or they put their hands in front of my camera. And they've done this to multiple, multiple people, not just in Portland, journalists in, in DC and, and every place else. This is a tactic. They hold up their umbrellas, they hold up their shields, they steal your phone. So the the footage that's getting out, it always appears that the protesters are only being attacked by the police. All right, so that's the narrative, right? We're peaceful. We're here fighting for a better world, just like in Brooklyn Heights. We're fighting for your better world. And look at these terrible police officers that are attacking us. Well, there's parts of this is true, but what you don't see are them being the aggressors. Mm-hmm. So they, are, they're, they have no reason to stop they have no reason to stop and every, t- because they seem to be, they're enjoying. I mean, I've had, oh, Lou, I don't know how many people I've had tell me, Nancy, it feels good to be out there, man. I was in my apartment with COVID and mm-hmm. I don't have a school or a job, man. I'm out there with my friends. I put on an outfit. I go and smash shit up.
0: Na- it's Nancy, fun. Na- Nancy, I've had diarrhea for the past <laughs> six months. Finally, I get to use this. To better, to better the world. <laughs> Finally,
1: for you, Lou, for, for you and your wife, Lou, that's, and your baby. No, they are having fun out there. Of course, right. hello, smashing shit up when you're 22 years old is fun, right? And you can't even go to a club and dance or have sex with a stranger. Like you're just, you know, you're 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 out there, and if you also feel like you're doing something that's good. Maybe you haven't even unpacked the ideology. Who cares? But I will also tell you that I spoke with a couple of uh, young people that I know who uh, work in the restaurant business. Of course, everything was closed. And then like, their one place where the guy works, his bar. You know, they kind of opened for outside. They put some tables outside, and you know, he was totally with the marchers. He had been getting in there with that night, but now he had he had to go back to work. And you know, the marchers came by, and because they were opening for business, this they they started pulling the table out into the street to set it on fire. And he's like, "I guys, like we just opened," and he's pulling it back, and they got in his face, and they're like, "You." you're now, you're now the enemy, right? right. So I called them the, I haven't written about them yet, but like the reluctant revolutionaries, right? They now told me they stay home. They don't go out and march anymore. They're a couple. What is it? That game, some big board game that they play with other people. I'm forgetting the name of it now, but it's like, they just, they wanted to be part of it. And then they saw how quickly you can be branded the enemy. And that is why you have a lot of very quiet people in Portland, even when they set fire to your stuff, which happened in this one neighborhood, they rampaged through and set fire to this new business community, the neighbors and the shop owners, and I can show you footage of this. They're like, well, we support these young people. We support these young people. And I talked to one guy who was not so supportive of this in this neighborhood called Kenton. They'd they gone through and set fire to this brand new business plaza. They're trying to revivify themselves after COVID. And they set fire to it two nights in a row. And he's like, well, you know, they did the protesters, sent a check for $2,500 the next day. And this is because there is a like bail fund ostensibly set up. Uh, The last time I checked, it was at $5 million. Like, Lou, you're maybe not going to go out in March, but maybe you're going to send a check because you believe in these people and their cause. So whatever this organization was, they sent a check for $2,500. And I said to the guy, you know, we could have spent that on tequila or something else. Should we just do this every night? Should we just trash things every night and then send a check to fix it? Is that progress? Right. Um, So anyway, I think you have people that are scared to, I mean, we know this, you have people that are scared to uh, say, I don't support this movement because it's sort of, uh, they, because they're, they're scared of being called a racist. They're scared of having their businesses come in and be destroyed, which I've had several people tell me if I, I, that's why you, that's why you put the sign up in your window, right? It's, it's like Bob, Bob and the, and the green grocer, right? You put that sign up, I, not me. You know, don't, don't, don't attack me. I'm on your side, guys. People are afraid. And that's why I say to get back to the mayoral uh, election. Yeah. They're showing Ionaroni up by 11 points or they did as of a couple of weeks ago. But I think you got a lot of people that are like, I don't like Ted Wheeler. I think he's a bozo, but you know what? He's not Sarah Mm Ionaroni. And I'm going to vote for the person that he, he may not be good at what he's doing, but he's not going to usher in something that, that may be, puts me, makes me more intimidated than I already am.
0: Yeah. And I I think, uh, I I remember uh, you made an appearance on uh, The Fifth Column, which is a a fantastic podcast. And I think uh, you guys were talking about- Oh, I did? Yeah. Yeah. um, I I forget how long ago, um, but you were talking about the stuff happening in Kenosha and all that. Uh,
1: Twice, a couple of times.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on a second. That was the last
1: one. Yeah. And Michael had just been-
0: yeah, I'm sorry. My uh, I, I just got to notice that my internet is unstable. So I think I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna it stop. Was- Do you want to stop video? If you stop video, then we might be a little more stable. Okay, I'm gonna stop my video right there. I oh, know you should be fine. Actually, um, let's see. So video is halted. Uh, so getting back to uh, to that episode, uh, I think you guys had a really great conversation about the aftermath of the riots in um, in Kenosha uh, that led to. I forget how yes. many places being being burnt down and and one of the things I, I think you really drove home was this whole idea. you hear people shouting, uh you know lives over property, lives are more mm-hmm. important than property mm-hmm. and at no point do these people ever think about the importance of livelihood um and no. how the, how they can see you know a uh you know a <laughs> uh immigrant businessmen who have bi- who've built up their businesses over the decades come you know come back to see it just burnt to the ground or uh i think one of the examples was sort of a a, like a vfw or something like that where
1: yes michael moynihan was talking about yes yes and the and the own the uh the uh, or it was like a like a uh, the brothers or sisters of norway or something like that and the people were like 93 and 95 years old and um you know, they're like, well, and then, you know, the, there was a little bit of money raised so that they could go in and salvage, you know, the photo albums and all this. And I, I got to, you know, bless the Fifth Column guys, because they said something about it. And their fans who were like the loveliest, loveliest patron, Patreon people in the world just gave tons of money to, to help these folks. Yeah, people, I think, you know, I, I'm not really sure uh, what, how people can say, I mean, uh, absolutely, a human life is worth more than, you know, my, I don't know, the, a, a, a car or something like that, or a, a, a building. I get that. Sure. I mean, I can ascribe to that, but, but there's no reason to, to kill one or, or, or burn another down. And I, I mean, right. part of it, I think is that you have a lot of people that are young who um, don't own anything. Um, and they have never actually had to deal with insurance. Like if you're, <laughs> you don't get all that money, right. plus you don't have anything and you have to, you have to start again. But it's also, I mean, besides the thrill of seeing something burn and, you know, jumping around it, um, maybe, maybe they truly do believe. They just are like, listen, I don't care. It's, it's not about human life being more valuable. It's like, I don't care about your business. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I care about what I think I'm fighting for and whatever, whatever today uh, tells us to do we're going to do. And just tough on you. Um, uh, And I also think it's like, well, you, you're really not thinking about the fact that not only obviously have people died in these, in these fires, which is just horrific. um, But like, like what do you do in the morning when you've got three kids that you got to send to school and your business is burnt down and you've got seven employees? Like those are people too, guys. Like just think they have to, I, I, I don't, ascribe to that view at all I think that they if they want to make change I would love them to actually come and have a super to engage in super legit conversations I had I got some pushback the other day I wrote about somebody that sort of had like infiltrated black block right and we and 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 she talked about it to me and then somebody you know put it on Twitter and one of the big you know Portland Antifa people was like, well, why the fuck doesn't Nancy Rommelman, if she's so interested in Antifa, why doesn't she talk to us? Well, hello, <laughs> how many times have I asked... Because like, you keep first taking all, her one...
0: phone. You keep taking her cell phone.
1: Well... Th- number one, but that was like some brat, right? Oh, okay. Number two, there's a big anarchist guy in Portland that I have tried to interview several times. He won't talk to me. He did send me a very like 80 page monograph and tiny type that I like actually got through and wept through because I was, it was so exhausting, but I'm like, I would like to talk to you. Or I go up to them and I was like, let's talk. We don't talk to the press. It's like, okay, guys, like you're telling me, why don't you get it more right, Nancy, by talking to me? Well, guys, I'm right here. I've got my DMs open. And in fact, I have had some super, super remunerative um, articles come just from having my DMs open on Twitter. One from a, a guy that was in the federal building. Fascinating. Absolutely. He was like part of Trump's federal forces. Absolutely fascinating. Another who is an anarchist, but I'm not sure if he's going to talk to me on the record. But it's like, guys, have a little actual real courage. Okay. It takes squat courage to light a fucking match. Yeah. Call call me. Call me. You want to talk? You want me to understand? Do you want me to bring your message as best I can with, you know, sort of some, um, some breath and nuance, then tell me, don't just sloganeer in my face because this, you know, and don't just tell me I'm wrong you got to tell me why I'm wrong and explain it to me so my I, again my dms are open guys
0: and you know uh going back to you know the people who you know are too afraid to to speak out i mean it seems like yeah. it seems like those are the times that we're living in where so few people are willing to speak out against violence or property damage and all that they're also afraid to speak out against um you know, just holding uh, a different opinion. So recently, I wrote I wrote an article uh, for Spiked Magazine. It was, uh, I guess, some days after the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and um, uh, and Joe Biden, uh, where uh, Chris Wallace had asked. Uh, or demanded, I guess, in a way, for Donald Trump to um, disavow or condemn white supremacists. Yep. And Trump asked for, you know, tell me who they are, sure, uh, and I'll do it. And then uh, Joe Biden threw, threw out there the Proud Boys. Right. And talk about <laughs> you talk about just like stepping in shit, uh, because I I went on Facebook and just in, in a couple of uh, jokey um, posts just pointed out that the Proud Boys are not white supremacists that, you know, they should not have been mentioned in the same, uh, in the same breath as, uh, uh as the white supremacists um, and all that. And man, did people really come after me and they were really pissed off. And, uh, one of the points that I, that I, one of the points that I made is like, you know, for, a you know, for a group of white supremacists, they sure have a lot of black, brown and Asian dudes. It's almost like, you know, white supremacist organizations have diversity and inclusion quotas now. Um, <laughs> but it, but, but I, I had some people, I had some people contact me who were you know, journalists and they're like, like, yeah, like it's so annoying. And now we have to weigh like, uh, is this even worth it? Is this even <laughs> worth just pointing out the truth?
1: Yeah. I've, i it, it's a very very difficult um statement to make because we have uh encoded in our brains now because of what we're told over and over that you know the proud boys are a white supremacist group yes i mean i interviewed Enrique Tarrio last year. He's the, I guess the president of, of, of Proud Boys now, and he's not white. I think he's Cuban.
0: Af- Afro-Cuban or, or something like yeah.
1: that. Uh, but th- th- that doesn't, this doesn't matter because if you, if you want to believe that they are, I, I actually don't know. They, the, the Proud Boys seem like a bunch of like, yeah yeah uh, kind of, you know, guys, they were like kind of, that's, uh, that's and a direct they like to, quote
0: that's a direct that's quote a direct quote that's
1: right and they and you know they, they like to get in fights and they do all this and they like to be kind of you know firebrands and all that and i don't know the anti-wank wacky whatever thing i please yeah, no the, uh, more we've no, had enough of no that
0: wanks with, no wanks yeah no
1: we've enough with uh, the jeffrey, jeffrey jeffrey Tubin, Tubin is, not uh, oh, is not a proud yeah,
0: boy he's not a proud boy
1: no today he's definitely not a proud boy but um i i and you know they what did last week or the week before? You know they, they were in Utah with um, one of the heads of the BLM movement out there saying, "Look, we are we condemn white supremacy, but it doesn't matter because people will believe what they want to, um, what they want to, what they want to believe, right?" And they want they need this. But let, if you want to get back to Trump for a second, man, how easy would it have been to him to just say, "I condemn white supremacy in all its forms," Chris Wallace? And next question. Like I think, why? yeah. I think he, he should wake
0: and, up every morning and the first thing that he does is go on Twitter <laughs> and just tweet that out. And then, uh, oh, you know, the beginning right. of every single, uh, you know, session. He's, that also, he has.
1: he's so incredibly inarticulate. He's such a bumbler that whatever he said that, you know, I know people definitely, definitely saw it as like, look, he's just, yes, he wants to stand by. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds to me like another idiotic you know thing that he mixes up when he talks but he just but you know what he didn't even have to get there all he has to do is say chris of course i condemn white supremacy in all its forms who the fuck wouldn't like end of end of discussion but he can't he can't seem to do that now whether i i he just can't and this is just idiotic as far as i'm concerned i mean we shouldn't even be be having this conversation it's just um But yeah, you're, you're never going to win. You are never going to win any friends except for the quiet people that come to you when you say, um, that, you know, the Proud Boys are not white supremacists. I'll give you another example. So Patriot Prayer, where I've spent a little time around them because, uh, a gal that I, she shoots and I write sometimes she's shot them before. And, um, I went, Oh, wait, sorry. Now I'm losing my train of thought. No, I'm going to, I'm just going to say something else. I want your opinion on this. So, um, I told you that I, I, kind of did a little profile of this gal who had embedded, uh, with black block or had gone undercover. And then she talked to me, well, she's, she's conservative. Um, she actually used to be, I'm looking at her card. She used to be the deputy vice chair of communications for the San Francisco Republican Party. And, um, she is trans and she's conservative. And I had people after I wrote the piece saying, not to me, but posting that that's impossible. She cannot, there is no such thing as a trans conservative because conservatives want trans dead. Wow. And I was like, how, how remarkably dull witted and really, really cruel is that? Because I will tell you, oh, I, this is why I know I was mentioning Patriot Prayer. I saw all kinds of Trans people within patriot prayer, and they're also considered they 're clumped in with the proud boys as these like booyah guys, well, they got trans people there, like so don't explain it to me because well that 's not possible right well you're this is you're just showing you just don 't really understand what 's going on in other parts of the world
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and for for one, I mean just the idea that you know human beings have been on this planet for what. When do we evolve? 200,000 years ago or something like that. The idea that with all of the, um, the, the, uh, uh, the genetics that we have that you couldn't possibly find someone who believes in, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a, f- a sound fiscal policy and uh, has traditional values but also is trans. Um, I, I don't know. That's just not giving enough credit to, uh, to human beings and how weird we are and how sometimes we don't make sense. Um, if, it's also – ge- yeah.
1: It's a remarkable lack of imagination. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of people in this world, and they're not just like, you know, only my people believe these things and we have to do that. It's like that. that's not that – you're making the world very, very tiny, and the world is not tiny. The world is much bigger than these two groups of people that are clashing in the streets, and we know that. We know that it's whatever, you know, it's 6% or something of the loud people, like, making, like, all these – making issues of issues of issues um the world is bigger than that yeah. um, and,
0: and i often i often find it too being a, a small l libertarian that you know yep. libertarians are often oh you're a bunch of uh uh white guys with um uh <laughs> white guys with autism uh which is true there certainly are a lot of white guys with well, autism yeah. but, Hello. Yeah. but but i'm like wow that's kind of weird because all my favorite libertarians are are jewish or black like that's that, that that's a little wild that they uh uh, that they, and, and, and there are some ladies in there as well. Okay. I just want to yeah. want to point that out oh. there. Um, but you know, going back to like the proud boys thing, what it was, it was really eating at me for a while. And, and I, I think I put my finger on it. The reason why it bugged me so much was, you know, if I can't get, you know, reasonable people to admit at the very least that the proud boys are not white supremacists, then how the fuck am I supposed to have a conversation on Matters that are a lot more complicated than that you know it's like if you won't even give me that inch, be like, hey, you know what yeah the the uh, guys like they you know I think they're dicks um, and I don't right. agree with a lot right. of their stuff, but you know what uh, yeah they're, they're not white supremacists. let's move on to something else If you can't do that, what what are we how are we going to talk about more complicated he, he, stuff
1: I find being a you know a journalist that has to rely on facts, I find it very difficult to um to like really. To say categorically, I'm just going to give this as an example, to say categorically, you know, okay, the the Proud Boys are not white supremacists. You know why? Because if you do your research, like, you be really thorough, you'll find some total dickheads that did ally themselves with, with the Proud Boys that considered themselves white supremacists, okay? And that will come at you, and people will use that as... As as fact, and you have to you have to you have to say okay. You know what movements creep. Movements attract people that you might not want there. For instance, this Michael Reinhold who right. shot the Patriot Prayer guy. He was a troubled individual who found um, you know and perhaps extremely legitimately so was moved. By the Black Lives Matter movement, I can't say I didn't get a chance. He's dead. I have, did not get a chance to to interview him, um, but he claimed to be and felt that he really wanted to, you know, make his movement here and went. And apparently, you know, that neck tattoo he had was apparently only weeks old. The power fist, uh, and wanted to apparently do some good in the world. But he had a very troubled past, including with firearms. And the way he chose to make his move, whether because it's just his way or because he wanted to look like a hero or a martyr, he killed someone. Now, he claimed BLM. Should we say, oh, well, look, those black lives. And come on, there are people online that do this every day. And it drives me insane that are like, see? Those BLM people are murderers. And it's like, no. They're not. You will have these people that are assholes that glom onto your movement for whatever the reasons are, or because they're mentally ill. Okay, yeah. most people would complete even if there were, if he was claiming this movement, whether it was anti or BLM, will be like, actually, no, that is not who we are, and that's not how we want to fight things. So I think whatever you want to bring to people to support your point or to um, to make your point look wrong, you're going to be able to find information to do that. Yeah. It's a confusing news cycle.
0: <laughs> right on. And, and I'll just come out there and say it. Um, if you are an asshole, I totally welcome you to listen to my podcast, um, to join me on Locals.com and give me money. Um, I yeah. will happily take money from, from assholes. And if you do anything crazy, I will disavow you and keep your money. Uh, that's just the way that I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. Um, hey, man. <laughs> and uh, I really highly recommend um, you guys um, read uh, Nancy's work. Uh, she's uh, fantastic. Um, I th- th- there's a, a book that you released recently that I haven't gotten around to read that I'm really uh, that I really need to. The the bridge is that what?
1: Oh, I'll, oh, time to plug my book. Yeah, uh, yeah, to the bridge, to the bridge: a true story of motherhood and murder about a woman in Portland, Oregon, who dropped her two young children from a bridge. Uh, and one of them drowned one of them, uh survived and that was again a story that you know, uh, the press, um Presented in two ways which was you know, she's crazy or she's evil and fucker and who cares and I just sort of like uh, What's happening here? It's like well, I think there's there's other things here that will explain why why she did what she did, which is what I, you know, try to do with the Portland story too, to present a lot of voices. So um, yeah, I would love if you read that book. It's on Amazon, and uh, if you want to write to me about it, I'd be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Bye.